Distorted Digital Ramblings Podcast. Brought to you by Click Through Marketing. Welcome to the latest episode of the Assorted Digital Ramblings Podcast, a monthly hour-long special all about the ever-evolving world of digital marketing. Every month we use the great minds of our staff at ClickThrough to discuss what's going on in marketing, utilising relevant topics and providing expert opinion. I'm your host Chris and I'm joined by Liv, uh, who's back from our holiday in Croatia. How have you been Liv? How was your holiday? Hey, I'm back. I'm really good, thanks. Uh, for those that don't know, which no one knows, because <laughs> I haven't spoken about it on the, on the pod, um, I went on a cruise, which uh, is a bit abnormal for a 21-year-old, but you know me, I like to be different. Um, it was really good. It was really good. Youngest people on board by about 40 years, met an accused murderer who started stalking me. What? On the cruise ship. I saw, oh, so... I'm going to have to... Yeah, basically, there was this man called Raddock. Should we name him? <laughs> an no, <laughs> Raddock Evans, WSL. <laughs> um, and he came up to, like, I was in the hot tub, and uh, I said to Ellis, my boyfriend, I was like, go in the pool, go on. Like, it's the first day, and he was like, no, it's so cold. And I was like, go on, go on. So we went in the pool, jumped in, and he was making a bit of a scene out of it because it was really cold. And then I was in the hot tub laughing, and Raddock came up to me and was just like, oh, it's a bit cold, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then we got cornered by him for like two hours, but in the hot tub I was like shriveling up, like wanting to get out, but I didn't want to get out because like it was just a bit weird if I just got out and was like, see ya. Um, I, I, there's so much to tell in so uh, little time. two hours of meeting you, he just said, by the way, I'm an accused murderer. Within 15 minutes, he was like, what do you do? I was like, oh, I work in marketing. Well, at least, what do you do? Oh, my God, now. We went, what do you do? And he went, well, it's a bit tricky, actually, because I'm on, I'm on like, bail at the minute. And we were like, what? And he was like, yeah, I've got, I've got done for accused murder, so I'm just on this cruise to get away from it all. And at this point, I was like, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> um, but he wouldn't bugger off, so... Um, yeah, and then he like we had to play ping pong tournaments with him and everything. Like it's scary, it's scary stuff, scary stuff. But the holiday itself was really, really lovely, really nice. I mean, back. Raddick sounds like a lovely guy. Murder aside, do you know what he's actually? He's like a weed. Like he's not what you imagine. <laughs> he's like really skinny and really like wormy. Like I can't. Have you ever watched MI High? No. <laughs> there's a there's a show that was on CBBC when I was younger called MI High, and there's a character called the Worm. He was a hacker, and that's what he's like. So I don't know how he's got a done for accused murder because you don't think he could uh, hurt a fly. But anyway, I digress. How, what have you been up to, Chris? Um, not too much. I have backed myself into a corner where I've got to organise a birthday party for 10 kids and entertain them for three hours, and it's going to be in our house, which I'm not really looking forward to because some of the kids are a little bit feral. Um <sighs> But I'm just hoping if I just keep them entertained enough game after game after game, they'll not destroy my house. You're saying so this to like a qualified kids entertainer. Why don't you just hire me? 30 uh, December, if you're free, easy. come round. Yeah, cool. Uh, she did actually ask for a clown, so if you've got any clown... <laughs> <work>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be I was there. like, where do you I'll think I'm going to get a clown from? Just find one, I want a clown. I'm like, well, we don't have Dressed a clown. up as then, a minion the other day, I just like minions. Oh, they'd, they'd love that, yeah. I could actually do a minion again. It was a it was a hit, yeah. Cool. Third of December, get you around. That's cool. that's my that's my problem solved. 
And talking of getting cornered by people, Alex, our guest today, was uh, just telling us how he got cornered by a nice man on the train. So you both just must look far too welcoming and inviting because no one ever corners me. But anyway, Alex, welcome. Um, Liv, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, welcome, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm honoured to finally get the call up. Uh, I've been waiting in the wings for what feels like a lifetime. Uh, so yeah, thanks for having me and yeah, excited to be here. And our topic today is all about peak periods and major sporting events, isn't it? And how they influence marketing and audiences. Um, so hopefully giving you use the wait for the call up reference, you're going to use as much, uh, football cliche in this, in this podcast as physically possible. Yeah. That's the goal. We'll, we'll keep Whoa. a running tally. Oh, <laughs> one. See what I did there. <laughs> keep a running tally. Lee. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Alex, you are our head of PPC at ClickThrough, aren't you? Um, Absolutely. How long have you been with us now? A couple of years? Yeah, so joined the agency uh, a couple of years ago. So yeah, my role as head of PPC is essentially just kind of operating uh, within the digital paid media team, um, kind of overseeing top line strategy and delivering the best possible results for our clients across all search platforms, which obviously uh, approaching Black Friday is is more critical than ever. And your official job title is obviously head of PPC. You do have an unofficial job title as well, don't you, of King of Manchester? Yeah, I think they, they refer to me as King of the North. King of the um, North, sorry, not just Manchester. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah. I must have been downplayed to your, <laughs> your domain there. Yeah, King, King of the North as well. So, yeah, you, you're based out of our Manchester office, aren't you? We've got, what, four or five guys up there now. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a relatively recent uh, endeavour for the agency, but going really well. We are looking to expand uh, the territory. We're trying to get more Manchester-based people on board, uh, and then eventually we'll we'll take over. I'm sure from the uh, from the Litchfield guys. I see the King of the North's got big plans. Liv, how do you feel? Yeah. I'm Queen of the Middle, so <laughs> nice. Nice. Queen, <laughs> Queen of the Middle. What a title! Um, and uh, we always ask some random questions before we get started. So, and I think you know the answer to this, given your extracurricular activities. But if you're not in marketing, what do you think you would be doing? Uh, you know, it's 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 a tricky one because I was never one of those uh, never one of those kids who really had like a dream um, to be anything when I was when I was younger and, and growing up. Um, obviously, as you guys know, I, I have tried my hand at, at writing, um, published a novel last year, so. It would probably be some form of writing, whether it be uh, try my hand at an author or you know any kind of journalism. But yeah, it's again, it's I think marketing. Even though uh, you kind of most people stumble into it as an industry, mm. I think it is pretty much a, a match made in heaven for me because it's it's got the the creative side, um, but also has the more kind of um, kind of the technical side as well. So yeah. Probably a writer to answer the question, but I'm glad Markins found me. Do you want to plug your book while you're here? Uh, yes, A Wish and a Fear is now available on Amazon for just nine ninety nine. Perfect stocking filler this Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pre-recorded that one. <laughs> there you go. You do well to outplug Al Rowe when he was on. He plugged about ten different things over the course of an hour. So <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he set the bar. You. He set the plugging bar. I don't think you're going to get near that. Um, so yeah, as as we kind of touched on, we're talking about peak. Um, and obviously peak in paid media impacts you guys more than ever. And we've got one of the weirdest peaks we'll probably ever have, haven't we, this year? Because we've got the World Cup happening 
and England are playing on Black Friday. So we'll we'll touch on that. We'll touch on how they influence marketing and audiences. But first things first, most important question, is it coming home? <laughs> it's a stupid question. Of course it's coming home. Um, I think if you asked me like three or four weeks ago, uh, I would have said we've got uh, slim to no chance. But now the World Cup's on our doorstep. I just feel like the, I'm getting carried away with the mania. Um, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna bring it home. Absolutely, no question. Liv, what's your prediction? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, You're really, I'm really not, invested in this. I'm though. not in it yet. I'm not in it. I need to. Uh, I need to get a, an England top. I'm really struggling to buy like a top, but I feel like when I've got a top and <laughs> I wear it, I'm gonna be really like patriotic and That's keen what it to takes, the win. I think so. I'm hoping so anyway, because at the moment, I just really just just don't care. <laughs> Which is bad, because I'm meant to be like a wag. I'm meant to be into I do. I do think this, this year it's harder, well, this Winter World Cup, it's harder to get into it, because usually yeah. at this time of year, the sun's coming out, the beer gardens are opening, and it's a lot more kind of... I guess you're used to, the, you're used to it, aren't you? Whereas yeah. this year, like, the, the, the igloos are opening and the... <laughs> The, uh, the the kind of the winter markets and everything, so it's not as you're not as used to getting into the the. the it it does feel it does feel oddly underhyped this year, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. the first game on Monday. Yeah, Sunday. 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 Sunday it okay. is Qatar. Qatar play. So I don't even know when the first game is. That's we play. We play Wales first. I know that on Monday, isn't that? I think so. Nope. We nope. play Iran. We don't. That was just that was just a joke to test your knowledge. <laughs> nice. It's during uh, it's during work hours. The England Iran game. I think we kick off at one o'clock. So Chris, you might have to allow for for some viewing time. Which is, I I need to check my calendar and delete anything that's in there. To be honest, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Meet um, at the pub. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be a weird Black Friday this year, isn't it? Because not only have you got the, the World Cup, but there's also the war in Ukraine, cost of living, postal strikes, um, changing platforms like Google pushing everyone to Performance Max. How do you think it's going to play out? What's, what's your gut feel? It's an interesting one because I'm, we're seeing it play out in front of our eyes already. Like mm. I, I would say kind of coming up from the start of October, this peak period has been one of the most bizarre and certainly one of the weirdest I've worked through in my career. Um, I think the fact that so many variables are influencing kind of the the, the consumer behaviours, it's really difficult to pinpoint and predict the shifts that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of our clients, our job is to be super close to the data and kind of being able to give insights on why certain things are happening in certain types of ways. But with so many variables, like the the kind of cost of living being a huge one, the postal strikes, as you mentioned, these things are all kind of having their own impact on, on the market and, and kind of changes in people's behavior. So usually at this time of year, we're kind of working so closely to forecasted numbers and rigid targets. And this year, like... <sighs> they're almost out the window to a degree yeah. because of so many different things impacting it. you just got to play what's in front of you to use a uh, sporting analogy. Yes, two. exactly right. There's two. <laughs> There's two. Liv, how's it, how's it going in paid social? Is this feeling much different to other years? Do you know, well, to be fair, I've only ever had two year, two Black Fridays before. 
Um, so first was at another agency, which was for like chocolate, so a chocolate client. So it wasn't big e-com really. It was more sort of like brand awareness and pushing new launches. So that it wasn't really a Black Friday year. I didn't have to do anything crazy yeah. for that. But then last year was first year at Click Through. So obviously we've got loads of e-com clients. We've got loads of clients that you know are like not e-com. So mm-hmm. last year was such a rush from the start of September and we were like planning and planning and planning and putting new strategies in place and not to toot my own horn but this year has been so much more chill because of all the prep that we put in last year and like because we've got so many learnings from the campaigns that we did and we know with the clients a lot better and most of the clients that I work on now are sort of not legacy but they've been with us since Black Friday, since Black Friday last year so it's just taking that forward like the learnings from that so it's been it's still been really busy and really hectic but it's been a lot calmer when you compare it to last year so it's a bit i don't know a bit scary really because i wake up every morning and i'm thinking what have i done what have i done and <laughs> it's actually like everything's on it's doing well it's you know rocking and I rolling do th- i do think that's so true though like Liv, you and i work work quite closely together and i do feel like within within the agency we've become so much more process driven and because we've had that experience of the last couple of years of, you know, a COVID, the COVID years and mm-hmm. the, the, the lockdown years of, it was just, it was so unpredictable. So this year we've really had to be premeditated in the processes and getting things automated and, you know, giving ourselves the best chance of, of being able to kind of roll with the punches. Yeah, 100%. And Alex was, you know, a lead in that. <laughs> so, class work, Alex. Alex, what do you think, how, how should people prepare for peak period this year with sort of like all the twists and turns that are happening? Because there's a lot more twists and turns than like last year and the year before. I think like the way you prepare change, well, it certainly for me, it, it changes every year, both in kind of the, the time frame that you need to start prepping for this kind of period, but also the, the types of tactics you can employ. Um, I think for me, just to kind of reiterate that point, like as, as marketing specialists, it's, it's all about just being agile like as you mentioned the curveballs that you see during peak you don't really get at any other time of year um for example like i've had, I've had clients in the past who have who have changed like their entire strategic direction during cyber week so mm. being being ready to kind of adapt and and being able to be agile in those scenarios um is kind of the best preparation you can do it's preparing in my role it's preparing the team to be to be comfortable in an uncomfortable place is probably yeah. the way I would frame it. Um, and again, that comes into putting the process in place, as we mentioned, but also having that like really close dialogue with clients, kind of making sure that they know um, we're, we're going to be on it 100%. We're going to be super close to the data and just preempting as many concerns um, as you can. And I think that's, that's kind of what it's all about, really. Yeah. And for you personally, when... Did you stop prepping for Black Friday? When did you start getting the team like all egged, egged up and stuff like that? Is egged up a phrase? Have I just made that up? Egged up. <laughs> I think you made it up. Egged yeah. on. When did you get them all like, you know, ready to egged go for team. it? When did I egg my team? When did you egg uh, your team? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's different for different clients, of course. Um, some clients are more difficult to plan early for because they have changes in, you know, offers and 
and the way that they're going to approach it. But for me and, and my team, I think this year was more difficult to plan really early for because a lot of the strategic decisions that we made back in summer for peak have had to change. Yeah. Um, typically, I would advise like all of my retail clients to kind of plan their November, December, winter strategy as early as possible, which for me can even mean like, as you mentioned earlier, live like a year in advance when you're unpacking the learnings from from peak mm-hmm. uh it's kind of it's just as critical kind of getting your strategy right in the build-up but also equally important getting the reporting right retrospectively so finding out what worked what didn't work so well and then putting that in kind of the back burner for for the year afterwards as as much as you can bearing in mind all the variables at play yeah do you think as well with that like obviously you're saying that you you planned everything sort of out in summer and then it's changed as the close we've got to peak, do you regret like putting that summer like prep into place? Now it's all changed, or is it just part of the journey that you've had to take, and you're still chuffed that you did it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't regret it in any way because I think the team got a lot out of um, working in that way, knowing kind of let's say a, a typical peak that is the right way to do it. I think you know we had to we had to adjust, and I think it goes back to that point of, of being agile. Just because you have a a strategy in place earlier in the year doesn't mean it's it's kind of the be all and end all. Um, and it's about kind of making it fluid and and finding things that worked from it, and making sure that you kind of focus on those areas um, across all points in the in kind of the the cross channel um, mix. Cool. Um, and you feeling optimistic or pessimistic about peak and black friday this year because there's a lot of con- contradictory contradictory yeah that's the word isn't it opinions yeah. out there um how you personally feel about it do you think it's going to be a good one or a bad one uh well i'm an eternal optimist uh in in most cases but i do and i don't want to be doom and gloom but i do feel like we'll have a slower peak so uh, the weekend of Black Friday, for example, I can't imagine it's going to be bigger um, than than 2021. I think again, there's a load, there's loads of contradictory um, kind of narratives online. Some of them saying that you know the cost of living crisis is going to pinch so hard that people are just going to stop spending and and they're really going to drop um, investment. Others are saying that the discounts around Black Friday mean it's going to be bigger. Like mm. I think for me personally, looking at the stats that I trust and the predictions that, that I've found online. Um, the, the figure I'll pull out is that the Black Friday spending in the UK is expected to drop 18% from last year, okay. which is 3.9 billion compared to 4.8 billion um, last year, which is an awful lot of money to not yeah. be invested in retail. Um, I, personally, I do think more people will be shopping the sales. I just think that people will be spending less mm. on kind of the non-essentials and, and potentially people will just be picking up the best possible deal for their for their Christmas presents or the best possible deal for themselves on the products that they really need. Um, yeah. So, Martin, yeah. Martin Lewis put out a good tweet this week. I don't know if you saw it. I was just about to say about Martin Lewis. Yeah. If you, if you buy something you wanted that's 50% off, you save 50%. Oh, I did see that, yeah. If you, if you buy something you didn't need or weren't planning on buying at 50% off, you've wasted 100%. So I think that's going to be true for a lot of people, isn't it? I think the impulse purchases of, oh, I'll get that because it's cheap. Absolutely. I think that's the stuff that's going to suffer. And to plug the uh, the webinar on recently, which I'm sure you both watched, um, I think it's almost, been, almost going to be like 
a U-shaped curve on the sorts of brands that are affected. Your, your cheap, affordable brands, I think they're going to have a good peak because yeah. people that would have bought more expensive are going to are going to drop down because of affordability. Mm. The really high-end brands, I think, are unaffected because let's face it, the the mega rich never seem to get impacted by anything, do they? They keep getting richer. <laughs> yeah. it, it's those in the middle that I'd call like affordable luxury that we've we've got a few clients in that space. I think they're the ones that are going to feel it. You know, the people mm-hmm. where you think, "Am I going to spend fifty pound on this, or I'm going to go and buy one for a tenner from from Primark?" You're probably going by probably going by the cheap one. But so I, think I think that's why it's it's even more critical for brands to just nail their marketing efforts this mm-hmm. year, particularly in that space because the competition is still there and it's 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 more aggressive than ever. But there's just less users operating in that space. Yeah. yeah. On um, I'd never heard of Martin Lewis until literally two weeks ago, and then. I'm a celeb. Last night, I was like, you know what? I'll put it on. Went downstairs and I put it on at nine, and the Martin Lewis show was on until quarter past. So I had to watch like fifteen minutes of that. But it was ever. It was so interesting, and he was on about the fact that it's not Black Friday anymore. He called it like Grey Friday or like Grey Week or something because he said that a lot of brands now, because they know that they're not going to get those increased sales on Black Friday, are spreading out their sales across the whole of November. Just yeah, because then they know they're going to have, it? yeah, and like a lot of brands, I think it's it's good to hear him say that as a professional for like spending and stuff like that. Because personally, and I think Alex, I know that you've said it as well for your clients. We've put that pre-sale message in live. We've put that like yeah. effort in a few weeks ago, so that you know the intent's there for either you know when it comes up to next week or when it comes up to Cyber Monday or like beforehand. There's always going to be that. Like a little bit of a nibble of people buying and, and dipping their toe in before, which is which is interesting, but also scary for every single insight that we've had from Black Friday ever ever since it started. Because it, beforehand it'd just be like just Black Friday and then Cyber Monday and then there you go, like that's it. But no, it, it seems like it's uh, never ending. So it's interesting you say that. Liv. Do, you, do you both think then that Black Friday starts to become a little bit diluted because we're now seeing sales throughout no it used to be like you said black friday the sale here it was like this mega mega event which almost came out of nowhere um but it feels like yeah it's just sales november and december and black friday is not so much much of a big deal anymore the actual day just yeah do you feel like it's diluted now or do you think it's still a big event in people's calendars personally i i think I think it's still, certainly for my clients, I think Black Friday will still be, and, and for e-commerce in general, will still be the sale period of the year. Um, I just think that just because it's lasting longer and, and kind of going earlier doesn't mean that the impact is less. It's just spread over a longer period of time. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it'll still be there, but yeah, it's, it's one to be to keep an eye on for sure. It's... It's a really interesting one as well because sometimes you have to look back further than the last two years for mm. for that kind of Intercourt. to see the trend prior. Yes, yeah, to see the trend prior to the to the COVID lockdown um, years, and this year even more variables at play. Like, is this the, the new normal? Even though I hate that. Yeah, term. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because yeah, COVID drove everyone on to online shopping because I think certainly yeah. for one of the peaks, were we in a lockdown when the shop shut? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. November. That, was it last year? That was a, I don't know if it's last year or the year before. It's all it all blends in, doesn't it? But there's a massive peak, and then I know we've had clients looking and trying to compare year on year. You can't do it really anymore for the last two no. three years, can you? Because the, the data is just such a 
such a mess. It's, it's also skewed. It's also and skewed, yeah. You know what? There's there's so many like new lucrative sale periods coming in as well. I'm sure you guys have seen that Amazon's done their second edition of, of Prime Day this year. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've, you, you've heard too much about Singles Day. Um, big, oh, big yeah. in, China, big in, is it China it's big in? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the USA this year, apparently it was the biggest online shopping day. Um, really? Which is yeah, yeah. So that's like a relatively untapped market. It was that like anti Valentine's Day mm. um, movement, wasn't it? But you know, with that kind of happening on the 11th of November, all of a sudden the year-on-year figures next year are going to be showing this big spike. Certainly in the US market, but I'm sure that that will drip feed into the the rest of Europe as it always does. You know, the the the, the year-on-year figures are skewed even more. Then mm. it's it's hard to look back to to look forward. Um, mm. like like it used to be a lot easier. To be, I, I think the same as well. I think if anything, Black Friday is going to become not a Christmas day, but I think it's going to become a day where it's like I, I don't know how to like a key event to like Halloween, Christmas, and you know how you like you plan. Well, for me, I plan like oh well, it's Halloween, then it's Christmas, then it's New Year's, then it's my dad's birthday. But I feel like it's going to be one of those things that you like count for for the year, thinking yeah. like oh you know got to prep for that or got to do something on that day or I don't know. I was thinking it needs about, like a, it needs like a whimsical character to oh, put no? to it, like Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I was thinking about it because I know that like. Uh, click through we always go into the office on black friday or last year we went into the office and this year we're going into the office um yeah. and i was thinking oh we can play loads of black friday tunes and i was like oh what is a black friday What's tune? A black where friday have i got, <laughs> I got that from like to start a playlist yeah we're gonna have just to... any song with black in the name with black yeah. paint it black acdc yeah. back in black there's plenty you can throw in there is there anything on your personal shopping list for black friday Luke? is there anything you're, you're eyeing up a bargain on Oh, it's not a bloody bargain, I'll tell you that. So my mother is the most greedy Christmas present, like, asker in the world. So she wants um, an automatic, like, robot vacuum. Oh, that's yeah, like, yeah. That's fine. That's the that's classic fine. Black Friday purchase. Yeah, that, and uh, she's requested this vacuum. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. So she sent me one the other day. Guess how much it was? 300 quid. Alex? It can't be 300 quid on. Yeah, 150 so the one that she sent me, which is on sale now, is £1,200. Shut I, up. I was swear to God, and my mum was like, you can get me that, can't you? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fucking Jeff Bezos. Like, I can't afford that. <laughs> so I've, like, I've had to say to her, mate, you can't have, like, you know, top of the range one when it's just going to be, like, judging around chasing the dogs. Like, you can Is have... it got arms and legs or something? I don't know what it does, mate. Like, it will do something crazy, but she's a... Uh, She's settling now for like um, a £300 one, but I'm, I'm holding on the closer we get to Black Friday because I don't want to squirt stock. Yeah, but I don't want them to, I don't want to pay like 400 300 £400 like for one week. It's probably going to drop, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. How about, about? how about you, Alex? And if you're on your shopping list? Nah, I, weirdly enough, even though it's like such a huge part of of kind of my professional career, like the Black Friday period, I rarely buy anything. I rarely, I rarely take advantage of the deals. Um, I don't think I've ever bought anything on Black Friday, you know. Nah. I hate nah, to tell you that. I've really? been absolutely worse nightmare and I've never bought anything. Do you, last year, I was in like a Black Friday frenzy and I bought something that wasn't even on sale. I was just like, it's Black Friday, I'm going to buy something. And I just got caught up in the... <laughs> No sale. They didn't even like tempt me with a sale. Like I just went on the website, boy. Well, did you see? Um, 
Did you know Cards Against Humanity? Uh, that, yes. That game that, that you play on Christmas. They did a, a Black Friday kind of marketing campaign, I think a couple of years ago, where they actually upped the price. Of their, uh, yeah. So their usual pack of, or the box set or whatever is like, I think in the US it's like $25. They put it up to 30 and we're just like, this this is what we're doing this year. This year. And I think it got so much like notoriety that they ended up having a, a pretty what good a day. Do, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I remember when I was back at my old agency, I was talking to someone and I just said, oh, you know, what's the Black Friday strategy for actual e-com clients? Because like not working on one. And uh, I remember him saying that one client uh, had a sale running from September and they were mm. offering like 20% off. They paused the 20% off sale on the 24th and then on the 25th they started the exact same sale again and they sold out. Like, but nothing changed from three months before and then just because it was Black Friday everything sold out, which is just, it's crazy. It just shows the consumer intent, doesn't it? Yeah. Mad. Mad. And in a way I feel like, oh God, everyone's so stupid. What are they doing on Black Friday? But I am that person that just buys things full price. Full price. (laughs) (laughs) You're even worse. I know, I know. Um, Alex, do you think that non-e-commerce clients could utilise peak Black Friday? Because obviously when I was at my old agency, I worked for another client and we just did brand. But Mm. do you think that there's, you know, there's room, there's room for for non-e-com? I I do think so. I think it's it's a really interesting idea just because... Black Friday isn't just really about discounts. It's it's about how creative you can be with the Black Friday angle. As as you mentioned just then, Liv, like consumer intent is at its highest, regardless of kind of offers and discounts. And it's how you position yourself as a brand that really can, you know, to use it to your advantage and you can leverage like that that kind of trend in the market. And I think with with like non-e-commerce clients. We, we've seen in the past that for, for some clients, like this period is really good for like newsletter signups in particular, because you can obviously offer discounts through there, gathering data in exchange for discounts. Um, so there's no reason why you can't leverage it for like a lead gen business or a B2B business. I think as long as you offer up some form of like value exchange, there is, there is an opportunity to get involved. I'm trying to think of, of an example. Um, I can draw for, I don't know if you guys have ever seen anyone do it effectively. I think you have to be really careful with it because I've seen people do it really badly. Yeah, and it, and <laughs> it's it a lot just, of that. It just looks like properly crowbarred in. Mm. Oh, get a Black Friday deal on your car insurance quotes. Like, yeah, well, loads of car. Go my, on, go my on, car go. insurance isn't due, so what does it matter what date it is? I think, yeah, you're right, it can work, but I think if you do it badly, you just look, it just cheapens everything else you do because you just look... It, 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 I don't want to say it, but almost a bit desperate. It's just yeah. like, oh, let's let's jump on this Hopping bandwagon. On the bandwagon. Not, not not remotely relevant to us, but we'll try and make ourselves look relevant. Do you think, on that note, that there is like such a thing as doing too much over peak, and that's probably for econ more so than non? But um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I do. I, I think I think overcomplicating a campaign is is sometimes as detrimental as not doing enough. To be honest, um, I've worked with with clients in the past where they've had like hourly offer changes, which, which can be effective. And I think it's, a, it's when done right, it's an effective way of, of marketing, but it's a nightmare to manage. And I've had, I've had clients in the past even do like half an hour changeovers. So as marketers trying to keep up with that, and mm-hmm. that's not just from an advertising side, it's also the website, which is kind of taking the strain of so much traffic, trying to keep up with this kind of 
really granular changes to offers and discounts to stay like super um kind of engaging to their to their client base it, it can get really convoluted um and i think again as i mentioned earlier the, la- the last position you want to be in as a brand during the pe- the period where purchase intensity is highest is having to make wholesale changes um i think you start entering into pretty risky territory if if your campaign doesn't have like a very clear message um that's communicated effectively across every touch point um, of your marketing efforts, which is it's kind of why we constantly stress about that need for cross-channel integration and, and synergy across uh, across the different touch points, because that's kind of, it's the only way to, to be really clear to your users and, and not lose out on that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I think Do there's, you, um, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say in PPC, I'm not 100% sure, Oh no! I know for social we have learning periods, but do your campaigns ever go into learning if you like change too many things at once? It's it's a good question, and you know it's actually changed. I think it was last month, or or the, maybe the very end of last month that we, in a very similar way, if we made like a significant change to our target return on ad spend strategies, it would thrust the campaign back into a learning period, which can mm. really stutter your progress. But I have been reading some. I haven't really checked the sources of the of the kind of it was on LinkedIn, but I've been reading that that those changes don't now have that same effect. So oh, really? yeah, so it, it would if that is the case, and we're looking to test it um, in the next couple of weeks. If that isn't the case, it'll it'll lend a lot of weight towards us being able to make those more heavy-handed changes to to client strategies to capitalize on that excess demand. Yeah. To be fair, this year, and I hope you don't mind me saying, like, we've been, as a team from social to PPC, a lot more integrated than past years. Absolutely, yeah. But from that, I've noticed so many flaws with social and, like, all social platforms. Because if we make a budget change, it puts the campaign back into learning. If we add a full stop to a sentence, like, we're buggered, basically, until Mm. you get 50 key results. Whereas PPC, you've got so much more room. And obviously, you've got that user intent there anyway, whereas social, sometimes it's not there. Like, in some ways, I'm thinking, oh, for God's sake, like, I've made my life really hard picking social because... Are you saying PPC is easy, then? No. What, is that what you're skirting around no, the point? No, not then? easy. Just, I, I don't know. I just think social's got a lot of flaws, and I feel like PPC, as much as Google uh, seems to be like a little naughty kid, sometimes it is. They've got they've got their uh, their shoes together. Um, but the, plat- yeah. the the social platforms have always been years behind, particularly yeah. the Google platform because Google. They're very smart people that, that run that place, aren't they? So, yeah, I think you're... I don't know if they'll ever catch up because Google's always going to be ahead and I think you're yeah. always going to be working on platforms that are, that are slightly behind and have got these flaws that probably used to exist years and years ago on uh, on the Google platform. But Yeah, and you think Marketplace might even take over the, the socials um, at some point, like I know... Amazon's Amazon ads, for example, is a growing beast. I saw I saw today actually on my way in that uh, Shopify are, are launching a search engine within oh, their okay. platform. So that's another marketplace seller that that may be on the horizon, which you'd think would get a lot of traction mm-hmm. around Shopify sellers. So yeah, I do think that Google. Uh, maybe I just picked the right industry at the start, Liv. <laughs> Do, do have the upper hand certainly from an automation and tech perspective um but yeah uh i guess i'm just lucky 
But um, just going back to the original question, I think one thing, the original question of doing too much, I think one thing brands have to be really cautious of is discounting too frequently because there's, there's several brands that I'm a loyal customer of, but I'll, I've never paid full price. Yeah. Because they have that many sales that I, I just know that well, if I like something, I'll just wait till, wait till the sale. Yeah. That's that's the thing that I think is absolutely key, is, is getting that balance. The last thing you want to create within your consumers is this sale expectation. And the expectation, or I won't pay full price because at some point in the near future, there'll be a spring sale, there'll be a summer sale, there'll be an autumn winter sale. Then there's the November, yeah. there's Saga Week, there's Black Friday, there's the Christmas sale, there's a the New Year sale. You've, you've got to be very careful not to just be in that constant sale culture, haven't you? I think a lot of brands have really struggled with that this year, um, more so than most, because Google released like a, um, some insights earlier in the year that essentially said that, I think it was something like 80% of people were only shopping, discount-led shopping. Mm. Um, and, you know, for brands who aren't seeing the returns that they hoped for based on all the, the stuff going on in the world at the moment, that's such an easy out in so many ways to almost not cheapen your brand image, but to, to take the, to take the road of offering discounts, even though you don't want to be constantly in discount because mm. you'll see that return. And it's that instant return that, that these brands, like I, I would find it as a, as a business owner in, in a client's shoes, really difficult to not pull mm. that trigger. Um, if that makes sense. It's the, it's the easy lever to pull, isn't it? To, yeah. to, to give yourselves a short term boost. Mm-hmm. Um, do you both find peak enjoyable? Uh, I personally do. I'm a bit of a nutcase with it, to be fair, because I, I absolutely love peak. I think, to me, like peak is the time to really show off our skills um, as marketing professionals. Like throughout throughout the year and on an annual basis, we we do tend to operate in more of a test and learn capacity. It's kind of try one thing, take our learnings, move on. It's to really establish the best tactics to employ at this time of year when conversion intent is at its highest. So I think for me, if, if you can't enjoy the period that has been built up essentially across the, the whole year and you can't enjoy delivering those great results for for what's essentially like the the World Cup finals of digital marketing, mm. like it's it's the time when the, the, the real skills come to the forefront. And if you can't enjoy it, like yeah, to me, you're in the wrong industry, mm. uh, to be honest. Which brings me nicely onto my point. No, I hate it. No, I, <laughs> no, I, really, I do really enjoy it. To be fair, I enjoy, and I don't. I don't mean it as to be like funny. I love. I love the end of Black Friday. Like when you can take a look at the day, the weeks beforehand, and just look at what you've done for results, and just sort of like have a look at what ROAS you've got, or how much revenue you've made, or even if it's like a non non econ brand, you can still take a look at what you've done and I just find that really really satisfying and I think it's a um, it's like a pillar to to keep on pushing you forward to the next Black Friday which is really lovely really um but I hate Christmas I hate Christmas marketing I despise it with a passion but I like Black Friday so maybe we'll talk about Christmas next (laughs) next part there's a lot of uh patting on the backs being done in the uh in the week after Cyber Week isn't there yeah it is yeah. good. It is good. And who would be your ideal client to run through peak? Oof, big question. I think for, for me, like, as much as it's a really difficult um, industry to, to manage, I think fast fashion 
has given me personally, like the, the clients I've worked on in the past, the biggest challenge. It's put me through my paces um, more so than any other uh, kind of business at this time of year because they, they're the ones who do the most like radical sales. Um, so I think maybe like an ASOS, for example, would be for me probably the one I would like to to try and tackle. Um, although I can imagine it's, a, it's an absolute beast um, yeah. for Black Friday. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Liv? I think I'd want to go for like John Lewis or something. That's like a bit of both. Like they do little bits of everything. Um, but I don't think I'd want to be in like one of those little sectors. I'd want to be like across the whole like brand. I don't think, to be fair, thinking about it now, I don't feel like I'd probably want to do like uh, revenue campaigns. It would just be like more brand campaigns. Just because mm. I think that way you're not being held to the standard of, oh my God, Black Friday is going to be the biggest revenue driving day ever. But you are being held to like a, everyone's going to see our name if, if that you know, if they're in that market for it. Um, it makes sense in my head. I don't think I've explained that very well. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, but if you, well, to be fair, Chris, I know that you used to be a PPC nerd. If you uh, got back into PPC, who would you want to work with? Um, I think the idea would probably be um, maybe Nintendo. Nice. Big big fan of big fan of playing on my Switch. Um, yeah, or something in gaming. I don't know. Nintendo's on its spring tomorrow because that's the that's the brand I use. Um, yeah, I was going to say PlayStation and Xbox would be sold out day one. It wouldn't be much of a. It'd be pretty, it's pretty easy, isn't it? We have <laughs> yeah. stock, right? Sold yeah. out. Sorry, we've got no stock. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's a lot the of their customer complaints is pretty much the only thing they'll have to deal yeah. with Black Friday. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Alex, how many Black Fridays have you been in? Uh, I, think, I think this is. I think this is my fifth now, fifth. which is. Uh, which is crazy to think about. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Chris, what about you? Well, I don't know really. Technically none, because when I was like hands-on, Black Friday didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. Like you forget it's only, what, seven or eight years that, mm. that we've really been having Black Friday. So hands-on, I've, I've never managed a Black Friday. Um, I've managed peak. Um, but even then, back when I was hands-on in PPC, Alex, I was I was always in finance. So yeah. uh, peak was peak tended to be either January, uh, new reg time for car insurance, or yeah. end, of, end of the tax year for for a lot of stuff. So Christmas was pretty chilled in finance, to be honest. Yeah, like, I can imagine. It was December, November, and December were generally the quietest months. Um, and then I went to phones for you, and yeah, Christmas Christmas was fun there. Um, but again, Black Black Friday, I don't think it was really a thing. We didn't make a big deal of it. It was all back in those days. It was all around like last postage dates. You know what? What's the last postage date to get your gifts in time for Christmas? That that was yeah. what the focus was. November wasn't such a big thing. It all used to be December, and we used to do like the like an advent calendar of. Uh, of deals and gifts and it'd be a different you know you go on and you open the advent calendar and see what the deal was that day um but yeah it used to be a lot more december focused and it used to be a lot more focused on particularly as you got towards like the 18th 19th it'd be ordered today and it'll be there by the 23rd so people knew it'd be there for christmas still um so it was a, it was a lot more compacted that still is like a, a really big period um for retailers it, it 
it, it kind of shows how much the it's almost stemmed from there, hasn't it? Like, as, as you mentioned, it used to be the, the last postage point as the, the main peak, but now that peak is kind of just slowly ebbing and flowing towards the November when Black Friday's spun out, and now it's like the, the whole of November, Black November, I think some people are calling mm. it. And I've recently written a blog on um, October uh, and the, the rises in conversion rate we were seeing yeah. in that month, and you never know that. <laughs> In a couple of years, like if it's November, if it's October, November and December, all there's one peak, all of a sudden you, you're a quarter of the year. In, in the this, black quarter. <laughs> yeah, in this uh, period of chaos, yeah. So, uh, Has a peak changed a lot? I mean, like Alex, if you're five years into Black Friday, then has it changed from the first year when you were doing it? To, to yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean... It's, it's hard to really like differentiate between whether, and this is going to be really deep, um, whether peak, whether peak has changed or I have changed. <laughs> um, just because like for me personally, like obviously starting in PPC, Black Friday was all around like what we could leverage and what we could achieve from a purely Google ads or purely PPC focused strategy. Whereas now, being in the role that I'm in, it's more conscious of, of kind of what channel adds most value at, at what stage of the of the user journey and being more conscious where PPC slots in and where my team can add value. Um, that, in a way, has changed the way I see Peak, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Got deep, but... Yeah, a bit it. deep, but... Loved it, yeah. loved it. <laughs> so... Um... We've obviously touched on the World Cup a little bit. It's almost upon us. Um, Sunday, as you've just told me, amazing sport events almost peak themselves or do they have the opposite impact? What do you, do you think World Cup's going to increase peak or decrease peak? I think in terms of like sporting events, I think they... Sporting events are, are pretty much just another chance for, for marketers to, to really observe consumer behaviour and, and assess kind of how people are interacting with brands. Um, from there, it's kind of just about establishing ways of communicating with these people in the most effective way. So a, a really good example of that, like around a major sporting event is a brand I've worked with in the past who target like crafters and, and hobbyists. Um, mm. You'd probably assume that a major sporting event wouldn't be of much interest to that target audience. Um, so there wouldn't really be an angle there, but we targeted their users with kind of messaging along the lines of like, you're sick of hearing about the football, like, you know, kind of in, in, on the flip side, um, of that with some great success. And I think you can kind of, you can actively resonate with people no matter the occasion, really, as long as you've got the right tactics and approach. And I know you mentioned earlier about, you know, feeling a bit desperate in, in some kinds, but I think if you are creative, yeah. um, you, you have to seize these opportunities and you have to leverage it in a way that is on brand and makes, and it takes advantage of, of the people searching and operating in, in this kind of, in this space. Yeah. I think to be clear, the ones that are desperate, look desperate are the ones where it's done badly Yeah. yeah. or there's, there's no correlation whatsoever and it's clearly shoehorned when it's done well. Yeah. It obviously works, doesn't it? Um, but then I guess you're going to have the impact. So like more people watch the Euros final, Mm. I can't remember. Who did we play now? I've forgotten already. The Is men's it? Italy. Yeah. Italy. More people watch that than the Queen's funeral, obviously. If really? Yeah. Oh peak, peak viewing figures, I believe. I could be wrong. I'm sure I saw a stat that it was slightly higher. 
obviously if they're doing that, they're not online shopping, are they? If they're watching the football, so you're going to have these weird, uh, these weird lumps. But do any other sporting events compare? Like, does does Wimbledon have it? Does does the Formula One? Does does yeah? Is there any other events outside of the World Cup that you see having as bigger impact? Because like we've just won the the Cricket World Cup, haven't we? And yeah, yeah, I think like. It, it all kind of depends on on how creative a brand can be to link the business to that sport in question. So I don't think there's any like discernible differences of the impact of the sport itself, apart from yeah. like viewership figures, I suppose, yeah. um, of, of said event. But I saw a stat when I was when I was doing a bit of research the other day around around this topic and it says that 83% of sports fans are checking social media while watching TV and I mean we, we all do it don't we we're all on Twitter or, or Instagram or whatever while we're kind of watching football or watching the cricket or whatever it may be so that's that's essentially millions of people scrolling their phones searching for keywords or hashtags around a topic which Liv, I'm sure you'll agree, being the, the social kind of guru here, that like the opportunity there of people in market and being kind of engaged is huge. Um, and it, there's no reason why a brand, say, for example, like a, a, a shoe retailer, when it's Wimbledon, get your tennis shoes being advertised. Like it's, it's, it's things yeah. like that. It's something so simple where... Yeah, and I can absolutely guarantee. Here's my one cast iron World Cup prediction: if there's a bad decision in an England game, Specsavers will be live tweeting about it. Oh yes, they don't miss a beat. <laughs> they love it, don't they? They're, they're all over it, all over it. And um, is it? Do you notice the impact on like a global scale? So when different companies are, are companies, different countries are, are playing each other, so. Will you expect different different behaviour when England playing USA versus Japan v Germany, for example? Yeah, well, I'd, you'd expect the markets involved in the games to make up a lot more of the viewership. That much, that much is is clear. I just, for me, I, you just can't get much bigger than than England USA. Certainly, um, for the majority of clients I've worked on in my career, and and I know a lot of the clients we work with here, um, those markets, England and USA, UK and USA, sorry. Are, are typically the strongest in terms of returns um with other global markets kind of facing off i am really interested to see how that demand kind of certainly over black friday weekend kind of ebbs and flows in in the sense that we have i think we have spain germany um at seven o'clock on the sunday two major markets that that we work with and then you know, Brazil play on Cyber Monday. I think Portugal, obviously, with all the Ronaldo show going on at the moment, which we won't elaborate on because it's not really <laughs> shed a tear. Um, but with with all that going on, you'd think it would attract a lot of viewership from the UK. Mm. And I think this, we almost have like a, a once in a lifetime um, opportunity here to, to view how people react and whether the the discount, uh, the discount mania of Black Friday is more kind of um, absorbing than than the World Cup, which mm. for someone like me, it's obviously not going to be because all mm. I'll be doing is wanting to watch the football. But for the people who are who kind of get in, invested in the in the kind of World Cup, usually are they going to be more drawn back towards like the sales and things like that? So it's a really it's a really good opportunity just to get some learnings and see how consumers behave. Definitely. Um, how do you think integrated strategy, which is quite a key point from our perspective, because we have been leading with an integrated strategy this year, um, helps with like demand 
Um, and like, does it help keep up demand or does it help, does it drop it or... I, mean, I thought that was a silly question because otherwise we wouldn't be doing a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, for me, the only way to battle like a, a demand drop is is through an integrated strategy. Um, trying to tackle an issue as stubborn as something like consumer demand with with one channel can, can it can only really get you so far. Um, it's essentially it'd be like going on stage as a as a stand up comedian and carrying on telling the same joke over and over and over again until you get a laugh after you failed the first time. Um, you have to use everything in your repertoire to achieve success. So I think for me, as as someone who obviously specializes in paid media, um, having those multiple solutions to invest in a, across the market and mix can really, it means we can put like a really flexible plan in place to tackle issues such as demand drops and, and give us the opportunity to make more data-led decisions based on, on what's working well. So yeah, if that's from a paid side and then, you know, that's when you can start layering in your organic insights and, you know, creative content to really drive home that, that message and, and make the most of the opportunities crafted through your paid. And is this a good point for another plug, Alex, the, uh, the ebook you and Steph put together? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't prepared as, as coherent uh, <laughs> a picture. You can see that, he can but... plug his, his own book better than his workbook. No, okay, I'll see how this so is. self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, we've we've obviously just released uh, an ebook on on Black Friday strategies. Um, so please check it out on on LinkedIn. Uh, it's on on all the socials. So yeah, cool. And then um, back to the theme of the World Cup. Do you think? Um, do you think marketing collateral should be adapted for this theme? Would it seem odd if brands aren't talking about the World Cup? And this is a relatively controversial World Cup, right? So brands have got a decision to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really, I mean, it's a hot topic for a lot of businesses at the moment, isn't it? And I think, again, it comes down to that point, whether the marketing team for a brand feel like that they can link to the link to the World Cup in a, in a tasteful and an appropriate way. And, for me personally and, and my view on it is I think it is important to reference something as noteworthy as a Winter World Cup, particularly if your kind of brand is somewhat aligned to it or um, your user base is kind of, you expect them to be invested in it because otherwise it's an opportunity missed um, mm-hmm. and you can't be part of the conversation in any capacity without using it to your advantage and of course they'll they'll be brands choosing to admit uh, omit references of the world cup in their marketing um marketing collateral and if they choose to do that i'm sure there are valid reasons like all the human rights stuff at the mm. moment with with the world cup is um you know a, a better a better reason than any to to stay out of it if you want to kind of mm. have a brand safety viewpoint on it but personally i feel like any typical World Cup, for example, it's just too good an opportunity to be to be ignored. Yeah, of course. And like you say, this this is a controversial one with the, the human rights stuff. Brewdog have come out with an anti World Cup stance, and um, they've they've released a they've they've released a beer, haven't they? Where funds go to I can't remember some some charity associated. Yeah. Um, but then it came out that the posters are actually mocked up and not live, um, <laughs> not actually in sight, and they're still showing all the games in their bars. Do you think it's better? To, do you think it's better to not do that at all, or or do that sort of <laughs> do the uh, fake? Uh, yeah, I'd, yeah. I hesitate to call it half-hearted, but if it, it feels for show rather than a genuine stance, doesn't it? Do you think that's do you think that's better than not doing anything? 
it, that's Brewdog all over, isn't it? Mm. Um, like the CEO there's probably licking his lips though, because the, the publicity that they've got off the back of it, even though it's essentially they've been found out, um, yeah. you know, they've they've hit the jackpot because it's all anybody's talking about. Mm. Um, but no, I, I do think this example that you've, you've referenced there, the Brewdog one, like that's a. a, a it's where brands can get it really wrong. Um, yeah. We all know that Brewdog don't have the best reputation with everything that's gone on in the past couple of years. So they've, they've obviously tried this, this tactic to look cleaner than clean. Um, not very effectively. Obviously they've been caught out, not, not only showing their games, but I also saw that they're selling their beers in Qatar itself. And yes, they are. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite funny because we obviously think of it as a fail and we're all slating Blue, Brewdog, but it's likely that, their marketing goals are reach and awareness and there's no there's no doubt about it that those goals will have been achieved um at this stage so for me again just to i don't think brands have to take a for or against stance um i think the issues around the world cup this year are they're well documented um we all know the book should have stopped with fifa for allowing allowing it to happen and Mm. for me brands they can use the World Cup as a marketing tool in the right way. And that shouldn't position them as advocates for everything that's going wrong in Qatar. I think that's like a really extreme way of looking mm. at things. Um, for me, again, if, if you're doing it tastefully and not in a completely self-serving way, you know, it's it's fine. Did you see um, Joe Lysett's campaign that he's launched? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I what's he doing? Talking about that last night. He's... Um, because David Beckham's being paid £10 million, I think, to go and... I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he's doing something at the Qatar World Cup in Qatar. And obviously... Where's the World Cup, sorry? Qatar. Oh, I was only joking, because he said, at the Qatar World Cup in Qatar. <laughs> in Qatar, yeah. Do you know... The, gotcha. the joke is, the joke is, I bet you couldn't find Qatar on a map, could you? Yes, I could! Yeah. You treat me like bloody Bridget Jones, I could, step up. <laughs> um, but he's obviously been a big LGB ally wasn't he he was on uh, Attitude Magazine and all that sort of stuff so um, Joe Lysett basically posted a video and said David Beckham if you don't if you don't pull out of this I'll shred £10,000 is it today he's doing it I can't remember I think, he, I think he announced it it'd be today yeah. yeah oh my god well that David Beckham's not going to care about that is he? if he's getting 10 million squid roonies from it probably not no probably not um, do you reckon Alex that brands feel like they need to have an opinion i know that you said like you, you know they don't believe that they need to be for or against but do you think that sometimes they just want to put their two pence in um i'm thinking about like Anne summers so when the queen died Anne summers sent like a blessing out and saying like oh, r.i.p queen eh? and then like the next post was them selling sex toys do you think is there like a, a line between sort of like things like that yeah, I, I think there is definitely a line. I mean, <laughs> there have been a load of weird examples recently, to be fair. And I think, you know, the one you've referenced there is, is a pretty good, a pretty big one. I don't know if they, they actually put R.I.P. Queenie out, did they? Probably <laughs> not. It's their official message. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I think, for me, every brand has a right to take a stance if their message is clear. And as I mentioned earlier, their, their goals aren't entirely self-serving. Because... I think people are really wising up to like inauthentic market employees um, over the past couple of years because there have, have been so many brood on a couple of examples we just mentioned. I think, I think as long as you do it tastefully, um, you, you should be able to have an opinion uh, because, you know, that's, that's your right. Yeah. 
Definitely. And like with this year, because of the World Cup being in Qatar, what do you think about like LGBTQ plus brands having a say? Do you think it's really important that they do to sort of like show support for the community? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having having brands take that stance is obviously going to send a message. Um whether that message will be received, obviously there's still a long way to go in, in, in that country and that the issues are well documented in that regard. But yeah, I think it's important that brands do take a stance if they feel like it, a genuine, um, if they, if they feel like they want to make a genuine statement, um, it's just they have to be careful about that self-serving element of it, uh, in, in the same way that, that Brewdog probably got wrong. Yeah, 100%. Um, off the back of a heavy question, I want to ask you a little bit of a lot of question. But if you could speak about digital marketing in for all terms, could you? Do you reckon you could? You could, you know, do really well and put like football analogies <laughs> to marketing analogies. You have to get your tally board up. Uh, yeah, um, okay, yeah. Well, we're on <laughs> two so that. far. <laughs> no, but to be fair. We always have a, a bit of a laugh and a joke about this in the PPC team that, that we are essentially like the goal hanging strikers of digital marketing. Um, we are essentially there to score the tappings and, and claim all the glory. And that's probably why it suited me so much, to be fair, um, <laughs> <laughs> back in the day, because you can just take everyone's hard work and package it up as your own. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that same analogy kind of, it, it pretty much applies across the whole marketing mix. So yeah. if you take it back to like, goalkeepers you'd probably have like the likes of technical seo and the cro team in between the sticks like that their job is to like lay the foundations for everyone else to perform defense i would probably say uh the upper funnel channels like yourself social Ooh. like uh display as well and, and digital pr building out some building out from the back with a bit of brand awareness i think uh midfield's a tough one but i'd probably say like on-site SEO would probably be like that, that deep line playmaker uh, dictating the play. And then someone like Amazon being like that midfield maverick, you know, like Adele Tarapt in his prime, <laughs> kind of operating in the half spaces. And I think Amazon are kind of that, that maverick to, to play there. And then, as I mentioned, all the build-up then leads to, to me and my team who just deliver the goods time and time again, just notching goal after goal after goal and going down in history as the best to ever do it. Based on all the hard work of everybody else. Yeah, Got yeah, you. yeah. Exactly Makes right. Makes sense. <laughs> um, and the finals just seven days before Christmas. What impact do you think that's going to have? I guess it well, depends if we're yeah. there, doesn't it, right? Yeah, yeah I was going to say. Which we're almost certainly not going to be. I think if we're there, then the pubs need to start stocking up on the extra booze because yeah. I think like once it gets going, as much as we haven't felt the same kind of... Uh, excitement this year in anticipation i think once it gets going everyone will get caught up um in the action i think as if it was any other world cup i think from a marketing perspective i think we are in for one of the most interesting periods um in recent times i think forecasts as i mentioned are pretty much out the window and competition is is higher than ever um so i think only the very best strategies are gonna secure that success um kind of for peak and, and building up to christmas and um We'll we'll wrap up with a couple of hard hitting questions. I've got one first, and then you've got uh, you've got lives lives random one. But to yeah, both I'm nervous of you, about them. I know, it's, it's always it's always a bit bit of a nervy situation. But if you were any footballer, past and present, who who are you saying and why? Alex, we'll start with you. 
You can't say Eric Cantona. Sorry, I'm not letting you off that. Rude. 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 Yeah, it obviously has to be Rooney. <laughs> I think like Rooney for me is is like one of the best to ever do it. I think I'd have to pick him just for that overhead kick against City as well. Um, so yeah, Waza. Okay, nice. Liv, what are you saying? Oh, I've, de- I've just got to stick with my angel Adama Traore. He's not uh, the best of his game at the moment, but I just love him. I just fancy the pants off him so. Do you I know can't what? Go I, I love else. the guy. Did you see them lads that offered him a race in as the car park? Yeah. And to, <laughs> he took it up. <laughs> like, that's ace, that is. I love it. There's a, Imagine there's if a, he pulled his hamstring on that, he would be, oh no. be in a bit of trouble, wouldn't he? There's a video of um, like the Wolf Squad going to like a care home in Wolverhampton, and it's like one of their. Um, the elderly people's birthday and all you can hear is a dormitory singing happy birthday like, the, like I'm not a good singer but it's so off key and you can only hear him and it's hilarious um, but yeah defo Dharma. what about you Christopher I'm who do you support go, um, kind of no one Oh, I, right, okay. I, I used to support... One of them. <laughs> I, I don't really follow football much anymore. I look out for Walsall's results and I look out for Villa's results. Um, but yeah, not not that into football. I'm going to have to go John Arnorisa just for the lookalike factor. Um, and then to to compare my own playing style, I'd go very specifically skinhead Rooney, like all the aggression. Ooh, that, yeah, used to yeah. be, that used to be my footballing style. You see in that clip where there's a drop ball and he just chops about three people in a row. I think it's yeah. against Hull. That yeah, used yeah, to be yeah. my footballing style, just without any of his ability. <laughs> just, just pure ruthless aggression. Yeah. <laughs> so Gets you a long go. way. It does, if not yeah, for that in the injury, you'd probably be playing next week, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what ruled me out. That's what we'll say. More question, yeah. Your well, question? You know I'll have a loaded question, and this time I've got a three in bloody one. So, oh, okay. what are your favourite football chants for, and you've got to sing them, or chant them, for your team, for another team, and then for England? England? Freaking out. England. England. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to sing them. Just keep um, like word, spoken well, word. Then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think the the England one is probably the easiest after after the Euros, which was that um, atomic kitten one. Football's coming over again. Home again. Yeah, yeah that, that one. That one was class. Uh, for United, I don't know if you've heard that rhythm is a dancer, Anthony Alanga one. No. Well. Sing it. <laughs> uh, but that one for United and then other teams I hate other teams I, 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 I love football chants for other teams <laughs> They're actually give, us, give us yours then Liv go on yeah go on, Liv, oh, go on. Go no, Alex you, you go first you go first because I'm going to do, like, gonna say I'm that, gonna do the grand uh, exit <laughs> that Will Griggs on fire your defence is terrified probably. that one yeah, yeah that, yeah, was that least, one took yeah. over the world didn't it and as an ex-Walsall player Alex is he? He's an ex-Walsall player. I think, the, Grigg, I think yeah. the Wigan fans probably would take claim for that song there. They, they created the song, but Will Grigg came through Walsall's Academy. Oh, right. So claim to fame. <laughs> the, the song is very much Wigan, though. And then Northern Ireland adopted it, didn't they? In, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. They got, did they get to a tournament once? Yeah. I remember yeah. when uh, I was, I was travelling Asia and that song that Will Griggs on Fire was being blasted out in every single bar across all the shores of, of Southeast Asia. I was just like, this guy is just some random kid from, <laughs> well, by the sounds of it, Walsall. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like an international sensation. 
Yeah. It's absolutely mad. Do you want to do yours first, Chris? Because mine are going to be big, I'm just warning you, and you don't really well, want to, to be, go after me. Well, to be honest, I don't really know any. Because, you don't know uh, any? I'm not, I'm not that invested in football anymore. Oh, they're literally um, my favourite thing to learn. I love them. I mean, you can't beat the old classic, can you, when the goalkeeper's taking the goal kick? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you fat bastard. <laughs> that's, that's the classic. That's the only one I can really remember. I'll I just love the simplicity a, of it. And yeah. they're never even fat. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've got I've, pre- I've prepared three. One of them, Alex, okay. you've said, football's coming home again. Atomic yeah. Pitten. That's my England one. My Wolves one. Oh, my Wolves one is, I'm going to sing it. Uh, Here come the Dendonka, Wanderer. And I know this is a bit, like, stale now <laughs> because he's moved, but I'm still going to sing it. Here come the Dendonka, Wanderer, Midfielder, Defender, Wanderer. Bruno Lascia is his mentor. That's out of doubt as well. Wanderer. He's one of the pair. He plays Wanderer. for the villain now, doesn't he? <laughs> Bruno Lascia is not our manager. <laughs> he does not play a wolf. But it's still my favourite. I love it. And then my favourite other team one. I only know Wolves and Arsenal chants, <laughs> but it's an Arsenal chant, and it's like... Saliba. That's Right, quick, quick one to wrap up. World Cup winner prediction. Oof. Uh, I've been going Brazil in when, when people have been asking me, just because I think they've got... A good run to the final if you look at the the way the fixtures line up and they've got Fred and Casemiro in midfield. The ultimate mm. ultimate Samba magic. So yeah, I'll go Brazil, but also in a very optimistic sense, I'd say England can can bring it home. Liv? Um I'm only saying this because half of the Wolf squad are from Portugal, so Portugal. Um I think they've yeah, we've got a good, <laughs> got a good chance and I don't know I've, any other football. <laughs> I think Portugal's chances have been hampered by Cristiano's interview. Me too. Do you, he's still playing though, isn't he? He's still yeah, playing, he's yeah. Play, yeah. All his, play, all his co- uh, teammates hate him. Oh, really? I hate him. Oh, okay. I'm still going to go with Portugal. I'm still going uh, to send it. But yeah, like I you just, said, Alex, I, maybe England, hopefully. I just thought of another football chant. Go on. He's big, he's red, his feet stick out the bed. Peter Crouch. Oh! <laughs> That's good. I like that one. That's I really like one. that one. I'm going to Germany for the World Cup just because they've got two, uh, as, a, as an avid football manager player, they've got two absolute football manager wonder kids in the squad, haven't they? Alex, hey. you're a football manager player? Yeah, I am, but who, who are you talking about? Musiala and Makuku. Yeah. Who? Top players. Jamal Musiana and you suffer McCook, could have, could have been England's him. couldn't he that Musiala he could yeah he could so yeah I'm going them purely because they've got two of my favourite wonder kids in there where's Harlan um, from they've also got the original round duter in Thomas Muller although I don't think he's been called up anymore has he he's like 36 sure. now he's, he's knocking on Harlan's Norwegian so he's not playing at the World Cup he's signing on loan he's signing on loan for Ashton United yeah I saw that Why what signing shrewd shrewd yeah. Hang on, where's Norway? Where didn't, Norway, Norway didn't, didn't qualify. And then where's he going, Harland? Some talk about PR stunts. Ashton United are a non-league football team in Manchester. I don't know what level they play at, but they've submitted a loan request because obviously there's no Premier League football for 28 days. So they've submitted a request to loan Harland for the duration of the World Cup. Which, I mean, I saw a very good Photoshop of Harland holding up a 
Ashton United shirt on Twitter last night. So, <laughs> did you see that um, a petition was started on the gov.uk website to get rid of Erling Haaland? Like to get him out of the country. Yeah, and, sadly, like, like twenty thousand yeah. people. Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think too good. it was signed by enough people for it to go to like the houses. Yeah, they have to debate it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't it. imagine the debate was very long. But <laughs> <laughs> it had to be debated. Get anyway, weird. anyway, that brings us to the end of another episode. It's certainly been very assorted, assorted digital ramblings today. The only audience audio experience where you can hear about sex toys, football and digital marketing all in one place. If you've enjoyed this episode, please delve into our back catalogue for more expert insight and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Positive reviews, reviews are also appreciated. We'll be back next month as we roll into the Christmas period or we're more likely to be rolling out of it. See you next time.